I have no plans. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that busy either. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of the Zoom Green Room, which was always my favorite podcast. One, because I love the sound of my own voice, but two, because there's always very interesting people coming through the green room. And this week, I'd like you to save our germiest, velvetiest, smokiest 70s chair for our guest of honor. She's an actress of theater, film, and television. Also a bit of a painter, as I found as I was stalking her online. It's our guest, Tennille Reed. Tennille, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. And on a Saturday, no less. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's a beautiful Saturday. It's wonderful. It's finally going to be spring. Oh, yes. We've we've waited a while for this. Something has to go right here. right? (laughs) Yeah. So um, I'm not, I was trying to think of the first time I actually met you. And I think it was going to another, maybe a so-so play of somebody somebody else's. Yes. And yes, it was, it was some kind of Shakespeare. And the reason I remember the evening is because it was like 45 below zero. Like it was one of the coldest nights I can remember in Toronto. And we walked not that far distance from our friend's house to this, this bluer like storefront theater. Yes. And it felt like, like Dr. Zhivago, like 80 miles. And it was only like a block. It was yeah, <laughs> it's not. Yeah, far. but in minus forty. Yeah, that, but that's yet. what it, it sort of stands out in my head. And I just I remember thinking this woman's gonna die, but <laughs> you didn't. You're tough. I got a good parka. I used <laughs> yeah. to live in the Northwest Territories for a couple of years. I there feel like you... I can handle minus sixty. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, so but did you now? Where were you born? Were you born here? I was born here in Toronto, St. Joseph's Hospital, but um, I grew up in Newmarket, just north of here. Right. My parents still have the, you know, my same childhood home and I'm actually going to go outdoor backyard visit them after we talk. Very good. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you, do you remember being an age where you so- sort of thought I would like to act or I would like to become an actor? Yeah. I was, I was around 10, I guess, when I realized that acting was a thing. Mm-hmm. I think before then, I was always a storyteller. I used to tell stories to my mom or to friends walking home from school. But it was in grade five when my grade five teacher talked about being an actor before he went into teaching. And... <laughs> Sorry. I know. Please <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I I get that giggle. Kids, Uh, I was in a Trident commercial, so show some respect. (laughs) (laughs) I used to. Oh, so good. Yeah. So when he mentioned that, I started putting the pieces together that these like stories that I was telling or these little skits I was performing was like an actual job for some people. And I remember asking my mom if I could get an agent and (laughs) 
she was just like how did you, did you know about that from the teacher yeah like how did you know about the concept of the agent at 10 yeah it was it was through my teacher I <laughs> But very questionable influence. I know. I tell you, you kids got to get yourselves an agent. Right? <laughs> yeah, the last thing my mom wanted my teacher yes. to teach me for sure. <laughs> so, what did she say? Did she? Um, <laughs> totally remember. It wasn't anything that supported the idea. Yeah. Um, I think it was more along the lines of, we can talk about this when you're a bit older, that right. sort of thing. Um, I don't think she <laughs> even understood the capacity of like how to become an actor either. So yeah, I think she was just buying some time. <laughs> Were you in any like school plays or anything in the meantime? Did you practice yeah. with that? Yeah, I yeah. think I threw out elementary school and high school I was always somehow involved with a drama department or a drama mm. club this year's drama festival um, all of it was theater based and um, and I just really enjoyed it I, I really enjoyed the community there too I, I found the kids who were drama kids were just really fun to be around yeah <laughs> and I felt like I could be myself in that kind of environment there's definitely a thing with the theater kid, maybe the theater nerds in a, in a school, but no matter where you're standing is sort of on the social weird ladder of high school, if you get a part and then you get into that thing, you're in, do you know, it's very interesting. Cause I was a very nerdy kid and you get one lead early and, and then you're just in that stream and you're totally accepted. Yeah. And it, I mean, I know it's a, it is a prove yourself. Like it, it's, it is one of those kinds of things, but, sure. but all, all groups have that. But I thought it was interesting that with drama, there wasn't sort of a, but you have to be this popular or you have to be good yeah. looking or you have to be this kind of, you know what I mean? It was just I like, totally if you, if that. you get it, you get it. Yeah. And then you're, you sort of have a community suddenly yes. like you said yeah. and you get it at that age like you get it from you know just presenting yourself I feel like I if I wanted to be part of like the cool kids group which I so definitely was not yeah. I'd have to try very very hard <laughs> in a way that um I try to change not... yourself yeah right yeah yeah um, and that didn't feel very right and I was also a very like my parents really enforced studies and the academics and I was doing all of the sciences at the time in high school. That was, I applied to universities upon graduating and all of it was for physics except for one school for drama. <laughs> and so it was like at the very last minute that I decided to choose that fork in the road. Um, because it was a way that I could be myself or explore myself more. And where did you go to university or college for? I went to um, Queens University. Okay. For their stage and screen studies program that they had at the time. I don't, I don't know if that program still exists, but um, at the time it was kind of like 
doing a double major in film and, and theater, which I loved because, I mean, I was just young and not sure and kind of scared of being out on my own anyway. And it gave me like this nice general wash of different areas that I could just dabble in to see what the whole picture was like. Sure. And now what, coming back to this agent idea, (laughs) when did this, did that, did that lead out of university? Did you directly start going for that or were there? I I did, but I call those years my unprofessional years. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) they were directly out of university I um I was doing a lot of like non-union and uh commercial work and some community theater with with an agent that I luckily landed um because I definitely didn't have that much you know impressive experience going in but after doing that for a few years, I decided I'd go back to theater school and do like a full three-year conservatory. Okay. And then when I launched out of that, I landed my dream agent at my dream agency. And we've been, we've been working together ever since. Where was that? That was George Brown Theater School. George Brown. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then we go, so three years of that? That was three years. Yeah. And by then I was older. (laughs) I was much older than everybody else, which was also an interesting dynamic because um, I think I, it was such a competitive and and strict and rigorous program. I'm lucky. I I think, I think I handled it better as a 30 year old because that's when I went back as opposed to a 17 year old. I mean, some of the 18 year olds there, I mean, they were, wise beyond their years but I definitely wasn't at that age so I I'm I'm glad that I I waited it can be a mind bender when you're 30 you're so much better equipped to handle something like that because you don't have your entire self-worth wrapped up in what you're trying to do and you're trying to prove exactly so that's yeah I I would almost prefer to go in with a couple years under your belt Mm -hmm. right so you know this isn't like prove yourself yeah with with you know this improv exercise fails yeah. your failure it's your like failure. no it doesn't matter yeah exactly or your identity matter. isn't wrapped around <laughs> yeah. the kinds of characters you're given you know like you right. are your own person first and then you can yeah. take on different characters yeah did you find even did you tend to get slotted into the same kind of roles this is in school not in yeah, not yeah. in uh, in life i don't think so I don't think so they had me playing a gamut of like uh they I I played Cleopatra in All for Love a restoration play um and then I played Marmee in Little Women (laughs) (laughs) um I played Maggie in in Cat in a Hot Tin Roof and lady and Orpheus descending so they were were very range they would say they were the more mature mature (laughs) I wasn't getting this gal's got mom written all over (laughs) (laughs) right well you'd be a perfect Ophelia if there wasn't a 16 year old standing next to you that's that's the (laughs) that's the issue that's the issue (laughs) yeah that's yeah interesting true yeah. So, but the, did you say, would you say overall it was a positive? 
mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. I, I would, I, I, it was definitely what I was looking for. I think, <laughs> I think my, my work ethic just solidified because of that program. Um, and because it was in Toronto, I got to be immersed in our Toronto community very much while going through the program. So that was really nice for connections and stuff. I mean, it did, it did spring on insomnia. (laughs) That was something that I walked out of theater school with for sure that I never had a problem with before. And I, I still have that to this day, which I I swear it's theater school's fault. (laughs) Really? Yeah. This is a genetic. It's you guys. You You instilled fear. (laughs) (laughs) So, and and so, and then you, you acquire this agent that's sort of a step up Mm -hmm. good agent. And do you remember what your first like professional gig was with that agent yeah oh that's a good question I haven't thought about that I think it I think for tv the first like real professional gig must have been shadow hunters I think that was it I played a professor in the first episode it's such a short scene McGee was directing it (laughs) yeah Shadow and I don't think I remember the show. The show it sounds familiar, but I can't. It's like a, I, it's I like an Indiana Jones kind of <laughs> sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, I, I. It's what yeah, they I shoot in Canada. They're like this. <laughs> it's what they shoot in yeah. Canada. Exactly. Exactly. Very good. Was that? Yeah. Was that like? Was it awesome? I, or I were was, you? It was awesome. Yeah. For me, it was awesome because it was like my first TV role. It felt very legit. Um, it was along the lines of where I wanted to see my career because I did want to do more TV. And it was a big, big scale production. So that was like super encouraging. I was so nervous. <laughs> well, yeah. Of course. But I remember one of my like, co-colleagues that was part of the panel of academics in the scene that I was a professor in yeah she is um a casting assistant for one of the casting houses and so she was kind of this like you know this um, pillar of reassurance and and familiar uh, a familiar face to to kind of ease my nerves and do you remember what was the first theater gig that was Kat Sandler's Delicacy, um, which I landed just after graduating, I think the fall after graduating. And that was quite a ride because that show got remounted, I think four different times. And it kind of toured around like from Toronto to Kingston and to Montreal and then back to Toronto over the course of two years. And that was wonderful too to be immersed in. It's such a different experience, right? When you're then a community theater or anything like that, as much as you think it preps you, it's not the same. Oh, and I should say, because you would ask what my first professional gig was, and I said it was Shadowhunters, because I got Shadowhunters through my agent, because that was what he sent me out for. 
Um, and it just so happened that for Kat's show, I just self-submitted. So I should actually say hers was the first professional <laughs> okay. um, production yeah. that I So that made. came before, mm-hmm. but that was, but that was theater. But that was, was yeah. And since, so since then, there's been sort of a, a myriad of TV and film as well. I was watching a little bits and pieces of it. I haven't seen the, the full film of uh, Adam McGoyan's Guest of Honor, which I guess came out in 2020, but it would have been filmed before that, right? Like pre-pandemic. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think it came out into theaters in 2020, but I think it was in the 2019... Uh, Toronto International Film Festival, right? which means we would have shot it in 2018. I think that's how the timeline works. Yeah, it took a, a little bit of time to, to go from production to, to the public. And how did that come about? Was that just the same route like you were submitted or was it offered directly? That was, um, I was submitted for it. But what was cool about the audition, the first round was with Atom Agorian. And when I was in the room with him doing a a role, he actually (laughs) stopped the audition and asked uh, Jason Knight, who was casting it, if I could just do another character um, for for the movie and so he sent me outside <laughs> while they discussed it because I guess Actra I, I guess there might be rules about like how yeah. the process goes if you're called in for one character but they wanted to try you for another so I left I went outside for a little bit while they discussed it and then he had me come back in and it was for um the lead characters the uh, mom right flashback mom yeah yeah yeah. And because we look so much alike, they yeah. thought it would be a better fit. What were you reading for to begin with? I read for The Mistress. Okay. Um, who Siobhan Frey ended up playing her. Yeah. All in our two characters were the in the flashbacks. We were part of um, the lead's uh, past. That would be, I mean, as the director, what a stroke of luck, because when I watched the, the the film clips, I just thought, oh, you're obviously cast for the similarity in your face. Yeah. And it was a coincidence. Yeah, it was. That's amazing, because you do look alike. It's, it's surprising. Like, you actually look like sisters, even yeah. because you're the flashback, so you can be. Yeah, we're closer to the, the same, same age, age of her, right? That's right. That's, <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I could, if if he walked in, of course he would want to grab you. Yeah, it just and was that sense. was it shot mostly in Hamilton? Yeah, my stuff was all in in Hamilton. I think I think most of their stuff was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was nice to work with him. It was it was um, a bit surreal because I grew up kind of admiring this Canadian great, and then I got to be in one of his works, and I I remember telling my family that and I think that was one of those postmarked moments in in my life where they finally like it starts to land for them what I do and accepting what I do and and having more hope in my future (laughs) you know how that goes yeah well but I mean you'd had you've had a regular role on a, a CBC television show as well 
yeah. working, working moms, more moms. <laughs> but yeah. that's been a couple seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Is that show, yeah. is, it, is it done? It's, or is it's it still airing going? their fifth season right now. Okay. And I think they're going to have to decide on a sixth season soon. Yeah. But I, but I mean, know. that's a pretty good running gig. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's Come a, on, mom and dad. It's a good, I know. Right? <laughs> Come on, mom and dad. How much proof do you need? <laughs> what do I got to do to prove to you? Rachel McAdams or nothing. That's the standard, <laughs> that's the standard. that you're going for. Yeah. <laughs> do you find that, I mean, talent is a, is a big part of getting to film and TV, but do you think it's also like, there is a certain determination <laughs> And, you know, almost, I think the higher you go, the, the slight ruthlessness. Right, right. You, you know, I mean, that's, I, I've experienced that up and down with different people. Because some people I meet who are very successful. Mm. And they're actually pretty low key mm-hmm. for what you'd expect. But then other people, there, there is um, maybe a, a bit of a, a hardness that, I feel like just has come because they, they have just pounded their way through right? to get, to get to big stuff. You know what I mean? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a tough game to get into. Yeah, it for is. Sure. I, I think, I think I've been lucky to work predominantly with those easygoing people. Um, and I think it's just been for me a lot of, persistence and and trying again and again and again and putting yourself out there again and yeah. again and finding you know a, uh, a mental framework that makes sense so that I'm not thinking of rejection in that in that way you know if I don't get a part right it's, it's a well it's such a huge part of the job right yeah the amount of auditions we do the amount of work we put into auditions, just hours of memorizing and in the land of self tape, which we are in um, doing that, you know, setting up your studio and, and you don't get paid for any of that. It's a, it's a lot of work for a uh, lottery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or a look. Exactly. Yeah. If you, do you have a um, favorite thing you've ever done stage or screen? Or one of each. We can do one of, each. one of each. Oh my gosh. I'll do one of each. That's great. Okay. I, I had so much fun doing Delicacy with Kat Sandler. Yes. And that team, it was a, a four-hander and it was fast and stakes were high and it was sexy. And um, I just loved the ensemble so much. Um, I think you just described most of her shows. <laughs> yeah. Intense, sexy, fast-paced. <laughs> Yeah, it's that's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, relevant and uh, yeah, funny, very funny. <laughs> so that would be my my favorite in theater, and then for film and TV, I would say what I just worked on in Newfoundland during the fall stands out for me because it's just so recent, but also the the circumstances of shooting in a pandemic are so unique. Yeah. And this group of people that came together to create 
the first season of a show. It was extraordinary. I, I had a lot of fun in my role, but I also just had such a unique time navigating COVID <laughs> in St. John's, Newfoundland. It was, it was wild. Are we allowed to say what the show is or not yet? They definitely can. It's called Surreal Estate, created by George Olson. Um, it stars Sarah Levy, um, Eugene oh. Levy's daughter, and um, Tim Roson who is um, well-known for his work on Winona Earp. Yeah, and then there's uh, four of us, other members um, that are part of the ensemble. Um, we've got Maurice Dean Wint and Adam Corson and Savannah Baisley and myself. Um, and basically the show is uh, about a, a, a real estate firm that goes into houses that want to be sold by their owners, but are haunted and first need to be um, exercised. <laughs> Exterminated. Exterminated yeah. of all spooky things <laughs> before they can put the for sale sign up. Shows we make in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it, I, is it a comedy? It is. Please yeah. say yes. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, yeah. Good, it's good, got good. some good dark comedy um, in it I think it's it's somewhat family friendly it's shot magnificently and it's it's shot in Newfoundland and I mean every house that we shot in I'm pretty sure was haunted <laughs> right. you know that's so that's you're cool. one of the ghost sweeping agents no I'm no. not I'm I'm the only one of the six who is not my my storyline is is a little bit different that we okay. cares. Yeah. And which, when will the, like, when, what channel, what, so, what's happening there? I believe, I think an airing date hasn't been nailed down just yet as of now, but they have been talking about the beginning of summer. Okay. Um, and then this is the sci-fi, sci-fi network. Okay. Yeah. You and Doctor Who. <laughs> and just watch them back to back. <laughs> Good company. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I know that the, I mean, the theater that I think of you in is the only female Dorian Gray maybe to ever exist on stage, right. which I saw here in Toronto. I don't even know when that was, a few years ago. <laughs> Time yeah. has lost all meeting. It could have been oh yesterday. Really? Was, I'm not even sure. It was yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it was yesterday or five years ago. Or five it's, years ago. It's a telescope. It's, it's all but, the same. That was such an interesting concept and it was an experiment. Totally. But yeah. I'm really glad I saw, I'm mostly glad I saw it because I got to see you, Aww, per, you. Per, like perform rather than listen to, you know, who talk about how great you are all the time. I just like <laughs> stop that and just see the show. What was your, how, how did you feel that that went as that, like, how did you feel about that concept? Mm. Because it was it was quite different to me because that character to me has such unlikable male traits. Do you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. But it was a, it was very ambitious to me. Yeah. To do that flip, I I thought it was pretty ambitious as well, and um, I think it was a worthwhile. It was a good experiment to undertake, and we as the uh, the theater collective theater in Amarada. Mm -hmm. um, we had been 
So it's, it consists of four women. All of them went to theater school with me. And um, after theater school, we were trying to find um, a classical piece that we could put on that would be something that we could make relevant into today's world. And we couldn't find any because <laughs> yeah. classical pieces starting, you know, starring a female character where this, where they actually have agency doesn't totally exist or at least not enough of them do. So we worked with a playwright, Chris Van Swollen, who adapted Dorian Gray and he used, he basically used the novel and riffed off of it and then used pieces of, he, he wrote his own heightened text basically mm-hmm. for the moments where Dorian speaks to this, um, the portrait, which in our production, it was a statue. It was a um, sculpture. A sculpture. Yeah. 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 And um, I think- That was spooky. That was a good touch. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. I'm glad it had that. Kind of well, I feel like on stage, that was a very smart idea to do is mm-hmm. to make it more of a presence than I think having something flat on mm-hmm. stage is not, doesn't okay. have the same kick. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the designer who, who made that, it became a creature. Like it would, it viscerally affected me every time I looked yeah. at it. It was easy yeah. to act with because it was, it was quite creepy. And I think we really wanted to address, you know, issues or concepts like immortality and the ego and female beauty. That was something that we explored quite a bit and Mm -hmm. how, how this like strong desire of society is to keep women as youthful and beautiful as they possibly can. Um, for as long as they possibly can and how impossible that is without it, you know, without having to interfere with what nature does. Yes. Or naturally. And past that line, they have no value. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah that I, was, that was very, it was memorable. Cool. Definitely. Yeah. So that's, that's um, one of the things and I have watched some working moms and stuff, but that, which is great, but that's mm-hmm. always uh, sort of sticks in my head. I think because of the ambition of it mm. was impressive to me and uh, seemed, I mean, the day I was there, it was packed. So I hope that you, great. you had a good run, <laughs> run with it. Well. I don't remember much of those details. <laughs> I mean, that was a different story. It was a very much an indie, indie oh, yeah. show. Which I mean, we know how tricky. That's that the only kind of shows that I is. care what how many people are in the house. That's why I'm looking, yeah. right? Yeah. Because the stakes are high. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we all walked away quite proud of what we had, what we had accomplished, and um, I think we did get from it what we were hoping for—just a stronger understanding and exploration of this, of this world, and. Um, yeah, our, I mean, our audiences weren't consistently large, like the lucky night you came on. <laughs> right. But I was, you know, like any show, I was pleased with how it grew and where it went. And um, and I mean, that's that's all you can hope for in, in indie right. theater, you know? Yeah. Create a piece that has life. I mean, all, all the shows that I have done are indie. 
that's it. And they always, if the audience starts to <laughs> sort of roll together like leaves, then you know you're doing something right. You don't want to see it start full and then be empty. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? You you want sure. to go the other way because of course it's not going to be full at the beginning because you have barely yeah. any budget to to publicize it. Exactly. Right. You're doing your own personal publication, publication and word of mouth. If it builds up, then Mm -hmm. you've intrigued enough people that they've told their friends and so forth. Right. Exactly. And uh, I sure miss going to those shows, any (sighs) show that way. And I, I hope we can again. Now, currently what's, what's coming up. Do you have more of the, the realties or the, the real estate surreal the the, the, the real estate (laughs) we don't know don't know yet no because it hasn't even been on it hasn't even been on I mean we're all very hopeful but you never know sometimes it can be really good and for no logical sense that I I can understand it won't get picked up yeah but I will say it's a pretty determined group of people and you know, maybe I, I, I feel, I feel a kind of like optimism that it won't be the end of it. <laughs> Good. And I just wonder, I mean, when this, I, I see this pandemic changing a lot of people's lives, artists, especially, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot, I mean, a lot of people have just been sitting around for like a year. Right. But what would you hope to, I mean, what would you hope to see going forward, you know, in regards to like live performance? Mm. Do you think we can get back to that? Do you Mm. think there should be changes made to how it's presented? That's a really thought provoking question because it is such a anomaly right now of what even the future looks like in a, you know, a regular day, non-acting, you know, acting aside. I think one of the amazing things that has come out of this pandemic is, is the time people have had and the exposure they've had to a lot of the racial happenings and undoings in the world. And I think artists especially have been sitting in that, in that juice, you know, of, of finding fairness and telling stories uh, of people who don't normally get their stories um, highlighted. And so I, I, I mean, I might be a Pollyanna here, but I am hopeful that the juice, the, the muck we're in right now is gonna shape live performance, the, kinds of, the kind of life performance that we will see post-pandemic. I would hope it's not just a trend that people are being more conscientious and supportive. I would hope that it is a, it's an actual transformation that we are just working through right now before we have the opportunity to go forward and make it visible for everyone to see. We can't allow it to be a trend, right? Exactly. It's that simple. Exactly. It can't, yeah. It can't go back. And I mean, I say that like it's it's barely started to go forward. I know. We just, yeah. we barely cracked the iceberg, right? But we just have to keep 
going cracking it yeah yeah Yeah. I I agree and what what I was I actually hope myself is that although I I really I do think the arts are going to take a bit of a hit because Mm -hmm. I do think a lot of people are going to leave because there's they can't sustain without literally changing profession at some point right I, I think you're right yeah but I think from the you know the 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 fallout from that I'm hoping that we see new emergent voices that haven't had their stories told but not only that they're going to start telling their stories in ways that our generation hasn't even thought of Mm -hmm. with their concepts and their ways to present their art yeah and that's what I'm really interested to see like I I think that this is an opportunity for people to start to think of ways to break out of traditional presentation totally this yeah. is the chance, right? And I mean, people, it's not like nobody's tried it and nobody's, but it's not hitting anything like mainstream. Yeah. And, you know, even if you, you get an old, you know, it can't be more structured than like a Stratford. Totally. You've got an outside tent for this year. Yes, right. it's still a stage and it's still chairs, but if they can do that, yeah. then what are people who do an independent show going to do? Yeah. Is there going to be more like on site, like you just walk into a McDonald's and there's going to be a play happening? You know what I mean? Like, I I think it's going to, it's because I mean, look at what it's forced us to do with our technology and people working from home when that never would have been dreamed of. It's just like, you're coming in every day. What do you mean? We can't work from home. Well, yes, we can. Like it's forced us to do that. So I'm hoping Mm -hmm. that it forces things in the arts as well. I hope you're right. I think, I, do too. <laughs> I think that that makes sense. I think that people have to think outside of the box if they want to be able to keep producing. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, creativity kind of thrives in a structure or in a bit of an oppression, right? So Absolutely. Oppressive environment. So uh, I'm, very curious to see what will come out of this yeah yeah and i mean it may be a lot of uh one man shows about the pandemic it's in the maybe you're gonna be in line with me at the fringe we're gonna sit right in the front row (laughs) just like one of 200 one man shows (laughs) yeah that's how i like to watch a show like that but i'll be there You I and paid, me both. I paid my 12 bucks now. <laughs> Tell me about your misery. <laughs> there you go. I'll meet you at the beer tent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there. Thank not serving. Thank God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like none of that. How are they yeah. going to do all of that? I don't, let's not even go there. Don't but they're going to, they're going to figure it out. They're going to figure it out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Just yeah. Yeah. Drop your money, pick up your own beer. It's going to be so funny. <laughs> it's an intravenous, so you don't have to remove your mask. Just yeah. direct infusion. Yeah. Or the mask has a straw attached to it. There you go. I should patent that right now. Get on <laughs> this. Summer. Do not air this until <laughs> you have patented it. <laughs> uh, well, Tanil, I'm so grateful to you that you took this hour out of your day to to come on this program 
So it's keeping me sane. I hope people are enjoying it very much. <laughs> it's been my absolute pleasure. If I, you listen to Tanil and I and you liked what you heard, please leave a rating or a review or both on Apple because it really helps out the show. It helps us. And if you didn't like it, just press those dark, dark feelings deep inside like Dorian Gray because it turned out great for her. <laughs> the show there has a happy go. ending. It's a win-win. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. Guest of Honor. That's yeah, the, guest that's of the honor film. Yeah. That Adam McGoyan wrote and directed. Oh, dear. It's, it's heating They're up. They're having quite a, quite a time. They are. Um, <gasps> this is getting exciting. Neil's neighbors are splitting up. Right while we're on the Zoom green room. I totally think that the neighbor, the female neighbor, threw a bag of the guy's stuff out at him. Isn't it great to be back in Toronto? I can tell you're loving it. <laughs> I came from a place with like squirrels and yeah, little chirping birds, birds. Chirping in the morning yeah. to like, like a... fuck you. Get out, Carl. You're like, oh, oh God. Anyway, maybe that will get cut out. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> or keep it in. This is this is entertainment.